0: It's Friday, May 13th. Yeah. Just bone infamous with you. Do you get are you like a Friday the thirteenth guy at all? Or are you a superstitious guy at all? Or not so much? Well now or?
1: that you said it,
0: I was like, I hope oh, he doesn't I, say it. No, but because come on. It's in the gremlins. It was obvious. It man. was implied. Yeah. No, you're n now if you say the gremlins, now we're <laughs> that's like saying what's the uh, what's the um, Is it Beetlejuice? No, Candyman. Is that three times? You don't look in the mirror and say, Candyman. Or, of course, the Bard's famous play uh, that must not be named on stage. Although somebody recently did that and named the play that must not be named on stage. And something either did or didn't happen. Uh, More (laughs) reputable and (laughs) in-depth reporting coming up. In this next hour on Real Talk, we're happy to have you here. We've got Catherine Grikowski and uh, Graham Thompson joining us. Veteran Alberta legislature correspondents coming up in just a minute. And then the much-awaited roundtable with the strategists, Zane Velji, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan. The three of them are going to be joining us in about a half hour's time for their return to the Real Talk roundtable. Now, typically, you're, you're going, where the hell is Sapria Devetti? Typically, Sapria would be with us for her regular spot on Fridays, but yeah. uh, she's taken a couple weeks off, a couple weeks to herself. Uh, we figured that, you know, the fact that she's got like six full time jobs with a bunch of universities <laughs> and strategy firms, and she's a mom and a partner, that uh, she could step away from Real Talk every once in a while. So we hope that she has a fabulous and relaxing weekend, and we'll be checking in again with Sapria probably uh, in the next couple of weeks once she's back. There's a lot going on in the cryptocurrency space right now. There's a lot going on with Bitcoin. And a lot of you are reaching out to us going, hey, what do you make of all this? Because you hear us talk about Bitcoin well every single morning. So Bitcoin, there's this been this broader stock sell-off in the U.S. last week. And it sent the cryptocurrency market into a frenzy, right? And it saw it drop by about 10%. And the world's largest digital currency by market value down another 5%. Just a short time ago we're talking about bitcoin so you've got the blue chip dow jones industrial average losing a thousand points yesterday you got the nasdaq falling five percent these are the worst single day drops in a couple of years people go well what's causing this and what does this all mean and most importantly what does the future look like nobody knows but if you want to ask human beings who have a pretty good finger on the pulse of it We recommend Bitcoin. Well, you can find them under the sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com.
2: Real talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
0: Plus, of course, Trash Talk coming up in an hour from now as we wrap up our week of shows presented by Local Environmental. It's a, uh, I don't know, I haven't showed you all the Trash Talks this week, John, but the ones that you did see, it's a very politically heavy Trash Talk this week again. People are uh, fired up. We get all fired up. Sometimes, I thought that there might be some some um, hockey Trash Talks. I thought that there might be some more frivolous <laughs> what a game. Trash Talks. Yeah, last night, I mean, depending on where you're talking, my sister and her partner, mayor I know that they're paying keen attention to the Leafs. Bolts series, which is going to go seven, which is uh, amazing. Always love to see a game seven, unless you're the type of fan, the sports fan that likes the guarantees. Um, And if you're in our neck of the woods, you were pretty excited, I think, to see the Oilers beat the L.A. Kings in L.A. last night in a must-win scenario, a game six that forces game seven on home ice as well so that's big for hockey fans uh that's going to be going down saturday night we've been paying attention to a bunch of stories uh, internationally uh including the killing of palestinian american journalist yesterday we talked about it shireen abduakla check this out an update this is a video posted by al jazeera english She was a reporter a correspondent internationally for al jazeera for a lot of years almost 25 years and, and was watched and known and respected by millions of people who are mourning her loss uh, for many, many reasons. Number one, the fact simply that journalists were targeted. Uh, keep in mind, a, a fellow journalist was shot in the back right beside her. Uh, Shereen Abduakli shot in the head, killed instantly. Uh, people who were with her are saying it was Israeli defense forces that did this. And we talked yesterday about the criticism that Western media is facing in so-called whitewashing this story well what you're seeing right now if you're watching on YouTube I'll describe it for our podcast audience is the Israeli army essentially beating I don't know what the other word for it is they're throwing punches they're swinging batons they're beating the crowds that are carrying the casket of this Al Jazeera journalist uh this in the occupied West Bank in occupied East Jerusalem that's where you're seeing this video which was posted uh just a short time ago by Al Jazeera. So obviously disgraceful, obviously demanding uh, not just condemnation and statements from international journalism outlets, but also from elected officials and, quite frankly, allies of Israel. And so people will, uh, including, I'm sure, audience members of Real Talk will be keeping an eye on this story and demanding, what would you call it, accountability? I mean, look at this. is This is infuriating to watch uh, the casket almost falling As uh, supporters, you have to assume friends, family members, and of course, mourning members of the public are carrying the casket uh, with the body of the former Al Jazeera journalist in occupied East Jerusalem. This is a developing story as we're speaking. On the home front, and and does it feel almost trivial to mention this back to back to that? I mean, that, uh, you know, obviously Palestine and Israel and, and this violence and the killing of a journalist and the targeting of a journalist and then I'm going to transition over to talk about Twitter and Elon Musk, and everyone's just going to roll their eyes. But this yeah, is it a, it's a significant development, and it is a story we've been talking about. Christopher Boozy yesterday, fascinating on the show, wasn't he? The founder of Bot yeah. Sentinel, uh, explaining to us, I, I basically, I mean, I have some pretty basic questions. Like, what's the difference between a bot and a troll? you know and how do bots and trolls influence or or even shape some of the the political developments or even elections on Twitter and, and Boozy got into it and the guy's got a fascinating insight based on this this uh, well this website that he developed you can go to botsentinel.com and you can you can kind of um, audit anyone's uh, Twitter handle it's interesting you can run through your own and see how you'd score you want the lowest score possible you know i think i scored a 4% yesterday which he said he said to me you are not a bot which was good to know. Uh, but if your score is up 50, 75%, you're a bot. So Boozy's developed this. It's it's caught a lot of people's attention. You know what we didn't talk to him about yesterday? What? He's done a lot of studies and a lot of research into organized campaigns, like pile-on campaigns, if you want to call them hate campaigns, sure. against celebrities, mm-hmm. for example, like Meghan Markle. And he's been able to break down the data, break down the numbers, really interesting stuff. So Christopher told us yesterday, he's not convinced. He doesn't think that this Elon Musk... Twitter deals even to go through the $44 billion deal. And check this out, the BBC reporting this morning, along with basically everybody else. And there it is. <laughs> the, the world's richest man <laughs> is putting the Twitter deal on hold over fake account details. He says he he queried the number of fake or spam accounts on Twitter. He said he was waiting for information now, uh, supporting the calculation that spam or fake accounts do indeed represent less than 5% of the users, so what happens if he finds out that fake or spam accounts are, are fifteen or twenty or thirty percent of yeah, users? Yeah, what's
1: the number we're
0: needed here? Does it does it give him the out? I don't know. Uh, Under the terms of the deal, I mean, who really cares about this to the general public? But if either Twitter or Elon Musk walk away from the deal, they've got to pay a termination fee of a billion dollars. Oh, my! I don't think either of them are going to sweat that. Who cares? But it's interesting. Uh, Twitter reported more than two weeks ago that fake accounts says Twitter represent fewer than five percent of daily active users during the first three months of this year, at least. So that's a story that we'll keep an eye on. Our Real Talk audience, those that sign up for and participate in the question of the week every week, presented by Y Station, you basically told us this, at least a whole bunch of you, almost half of you yesterday, and we ran through those results. If you saw them on yesterday's show or listened to the podcast, you know already, a whole bunch of you said, I don't think this deal is going to go through. I think this is just a big boondoggle, and it would (laughs) appear that some of you might be right. We're going to talk provincial politics in just a second with uh, two people uh, in the province of Alberta that have made it, I mean, virtually uh, accessible and understandable, the the political workings of the legislature for hundreds of thousands of people. And that's why Catherine Grakowski, Graham Thompson have such respect. Looking forward to talking to them. First, I want to remind you when we talk about real life every day, a big part of that for many of you I know is health and not just your own health, but the health and well-being And that could involve the home care for your loved ones. And that's what Infinity Healthcare does. You can check them out online right now at infinity-8.ca. They're in the business of dependable, reputable, reliable home care. And that means that they work with families to find the best home care provider possible. It also means that they're always hiring. So if you go to career opportunities at infinity-8.ca, you can see what they have available for Licensed practical nurses, are you an LPN looking to make a change? Maybe you want to ease back on some of your responsibilities, the daily grind and move to a different service provision model. Maybe you're a healthcare aide or a customer care navigator. Maybe you're intrigued by the job of an Infinity Healthcare Ambassador. You can find them all under the Sponsors tab on our website. You know, Kubi Energy is hiring as well. They told us specifically to let you know that they're looking for talented installers. They're looking for electricians. And in particular right now, they're hiring a lead structural engineer. That sounds to me like a pretty good job. If you're a lead structural engineer. Can you put lead in front of my title, please? Lead technical producer. Please. It just sounds more important. You are the lead technical producer. Amazing. You're also the only technical producer. Changing my business card today. Which you're both the senior and junior technical (laughs) producer. But the lead structural engineer at Kubi Energy, you're not going to be at a big, boring corporation where you're a cog in the machine. You're some employee number. There's no personal angle to any of this. You're contributing to the development of clean energy in canada you can learn more about that job Uh, give them a call check them out online at kubieenergy.ca and athabasca university is canada's online university not just that though there's there's a reason why about forty thousand canadians trust their post-secondary experience uh, and and trust their self-betterment to athabasca university it's because it also has an amazing reputation across the country as a research center If you'd like to learn more about that, including what Athabasca University is doing on the research front and how that could impact your studies or provide opportunity for you, I invite you to check out their world-class accredited online programs and courses today, right now at athabascau.ca. Well, we're going to talk provincial politics today. We're going to talk federal politics today. If you're Listening to this or watching this from Western Canada, you you'll probably be particularly interested in what our next two guests have to say. Both of them covering the Alberta Legislature as correspondents: uh, Catherine Grykowski, the Alberta Legislature reporter for Alberta Today; Graham Thompson, a longtime columnist for the Edmonton Journal, now writing for CBC, iPolitics, and Alberta Views magazine. To the both of you, good morning. It's great to see both of your faces. It's been a little while. Ah, uh, Catherine. It seems like you know we've we've got the uh, the federal conservative leadership race going on right now. We've we've got Jagmeet Singh being harassed in Ontario. A lot of people are paying attention to the to the national news front, to the federal political front. But there's a lot going on right now that strikes me as flying under the radar when it comes to Alberta politics. Uh, do you get the sense that the same thing is happening with regards to how the general public is perceiving it? Are you having to work a little harder to remind people that there's a lot going on at the legislature in Edmonton?
2: Oh, it's it's what I do. It's what I do. <laughs> I'm always always going to uh, talk about the underreported things under under the dome. And of course, it's not just a, a federal conservative leadership going on. There's there's the leadership review. The ballots are in. They're being counted uh, for the fate of jason kenny as party leader right now
0: yeah well let's let's get into that and, and catherine to you first and then graham uh, over to you you've just written about this as well but like you said catherine the mail-in ballots the deadline has hit and now they're being reviewed and processed and we're expecting an announcement five days from now on the 18th but there's a lot of questions swirling around right now whether or not this thing is even close to legitimate can you take us into the story
2: yeah well Part of uh, what the party has done to try and show transparency is they have a live stream right now uh, uh, at Deloitte. Um, they are showing the ballot verification process. But a, a lot of the questions um, are around the, the fact that they shifted from an in-person vote in Red Deer to these mail-in ballots and they cut off the, the sales deadline. Um, some people who couldn't make it through Red Deer would have loved to have uh, participated through mail-in ballot, but they said, nope, if you weren't signed up by uh, as a party member by the date for Red Deer, then you're, you're not getting into this mail-in ballot. Um, but the history there is, we, there is still an active, ongoing RCMP investigation into the previous uh, UCP uh, leadership and and party merger vote. So I, I'm sure Graham can speak to this as well, but um, there's there's an ongoing investigation. So there's some skepticism around this entire process. Um, and there was changes under Bill 81 and other, other amendments uh, to make it. So I think it was up to 422 uh, memberships could be purchased without actually knowing that you bought them um, so the UCP rules say you have to have an ID along with that. But there's there's some questions over over that process as well.
0: And and like you said, everybody's talking about this, including uh, based on the, the great reporting uh, by Mark Villani at CTV down in Calgary. Graham, you've probably seen this story, a Calgary family going on the record uh, saying they didn't purchase UCP memberships and they're speaking out now after their names have appeared on a leadership voting list it, it sort of seems to be the same old tricks graham like, like Catherine alluded yeah. to right 2017 all over again well there's certainly a lot of questions about legitimate legitimacy of this vote of the party is saying look
3: there may be some glitches here and there but anything that's uh, that's not um toward anything untoward will be uh, put aside in fact as as um we've mentioned there's this live feed right now from the ucp it's really boring to watch. It's a room at Deloitte. There are these scrutineers of this vote. And you've got um, people there uh, ripping open the uh, the envelopes. And if it looks like a legitimate uh, ballot, it goes into a green box. If it's not legitimate or any sort of questions, it's put into a red box. So they're trying to show that it's actually an open and accountable vote. But there's a lot of questions, yes. It's been alluded to what happened in 2017. Kenny, of course, defeated Brian Jean in that uh, leadership race. But there were some questions about... Um, uh, voter fraud, and that 's being still investigated by the RCMP. You also have this uh, complaint this week from Brian Jean that there was four, thousand bulk memberships of the UCP bought by half a dozen um, credit cards, and Gene is blaming the Kenny campaign saying this sounds this really, looks really fishy. The party is saying nope, everything 's above board." But then also this whole vote you had the UCP executive seeming to tilt the playing field in Kenny's favor by changing the vote, as Catherine mentioned, from an in-person vote in Red Deer with 15,000 people signed up to go there and vote. And it seemed that Kenny could lose that because a lot of people were very angry at him, were willing to drive to Red Deer to vote against him. They changed the rules at the last minute to, an in, uh, to a mail-in ballot as opposed to uh, going there in person. And so even the party president, Cynthia Moore, uh, before Kenny made a speech back in April to kick off this balloting process, was very much in favor of, um, of Jason Kenny. It's almost like Elections Canada running an election, but holding a news conference in favor of um, Justin Trudeau mm. during the election campaign. That's the parallel that's been drawn by some of Kenny's detractors. So there is questions right now about the fairness. Now, of course, look, if Kenny loses on Wednesday, All those complaints will go away because a a loss will be considered to be, that's it, it's done, it was a fair vote. The question is if Kenny wins this vote. And right now, I've got to say, the feeling I've got from people in the party, even those who do not like Kenny, is that he will survive on Wednesday with something like 50 to 60% of the vote. He needs 50% plus one, as he has said himself. And so the feeling right now is there's not some sort of leadership race waiting in the wings for Kenny to, to be voted out on Wednesday and this big race started starts. The impression I get from people inside the, the legislature, inside the UCP, as I say, even those who don't really like Kenny, is that he will still survive on Wednesday. Now that number is going to be important. If it's 51%, it means his party is split. If it's 60%, more comfortable for Kenny. But then the questions start to increase. If it's a big vote for Kenny, just how fair was that vote? So a lot of questions still will remain after that vote on May 18th. We're expecting the results sometime between four and six in the afternoon.
0: So, Catherine, as as Graham's talking about, and I like that he used uh, Graham. I like that you used the the word survive. We've been talking about what is the survivable number uh, coming out of this? Because while the premier may insist it's a fifty percent plus one scenario, if you look back in the history of even conservative premiers or leadership votes in Alberta alone, or if we broaden the conversation, there's really no politician that can go to his own membership or her own party or the the population at large and say, "I got fifty percent plus one, so everything's great, and I'm going to stick." around uh, Graham's using the phrase survivable and I'm sitting there I'm thinking in my mind of the Monty Python skit. like I'm not dead yet and like all <laughs> the limbs are lopped off like what is a what is a score in the low to mid 50s high 50s even low 60s mean for Jason Kenney's leadership then the campaign starts to convince people that that's some sort of a mandate to keep on governing
2: Merely a flesh wound.
0: Yeah, merely um, a flesh wound. <laughs>
2: um, it's interesting you bring that up because Brian Jean posted a video of what he had hoped to make as a, a membership statement yesterday. He was told not to, and it was basically bringing up that history of uh, Redford and stelnak leaving after 77% and Klein leaving after low numbers. Um, So, yeah, you're right. If he survives the leadership, it is not over. You still have this motley crew of incongruous Big Ten conservatives. So you have these libertarians sitting next to law and order tough on crime guys. You have people who believe in the individual woman's right to choose on abortion sitting next to the the champions of the pre-born, you know, you have the no corporate welfare. We need to get spending under control sitting next to the people who know we need to champion for the the job creators. And you have Judas, Brian Jean sitting at the, <laughs> the cabinet table. So do you do you kick him out of caucus? If so you make him a martyr and others may follow. And so there's going to be in in the next little while if Kenny survives as it as says it's looking that way um what happens is your loyalty to jason kenney is your loyalty to the party is your loyalty to the constituents who elected you so there's going to be this question but what brings them together all these different beliefs is the vanquishing the evil foe of the dreaded trudeau notley alliance so there's there's going to be a question that's what kenny's going to have to do is say we need to stay united otherwise the accidental ndp are going to be not so accidental and get back into government and we need to stick together maybe you don't like me but stick together for the good of conservatives um but there's there's so many things that could happen there could be a legal challenge of the result um he could get pressure from the caucus to say 50 percent isn't good enough I don't care if that's the majority. Get out. We we're not behind you. We don't think we can win with you. Um, but so how, there's, there's a lot of different. Paths.
0: Yeah, but how much? And I, I'm curious for both of your takes on this. Uh, I don't know, like who else is there? The the nerdy geeky side of me, Catherine, wants to dig into your Judas Brian Jean comments, and I'm I'm not sure it's Judas. I think because because I think a lot of people would probably describe Brian Jean as the Jesus in this scenario, right? He's the one that was nailed up to the cross. He's the one that wound up coming back. Uh, I'm not proclaiming this so as to save myself the headache from all of the believers across Western Canada that want to take issue with the comparison. Um, But but there's a lot of people like when you say, are you loyal to the premier to Jason Kenny, or are you loyal to the party? Uh, Graham, I'm not convinced that Jason Kenny is not the party. It's not like there's three or four heirs apparent that are ready to step up. It's not as though this party is strong and being hampered by him.
3: You're right. Absolutely. Because Kenny is the party. Kenny built this party. Um, go back, you know, 2017. He convinced members of the Wild Rose and the uh, the old PCs to uh, join this new party and elect him as leader. He's a, he's a wily politician. He's been around for more than 20 years. He learned a lot under Stephen Harper. This is a guy who recruited a lot of the current members of caucus. He recruited them, and they're neophytes. They're brand new. They couldn't organize a mutiny and a rowboat if they tried. And a lot of the people who are against Kenny right now, most vocal, are the old Wild Rosers, the old Wild Rose uh, MLAs. who have some experience, but again, they're not that well organized. And you're right, there's nobody in the wings. Now, Brian Jean is thinking of himself as, as the next person, next leader in the wings. A lot of people in the party I've talked to don't see Brian Jean as the next leader they don't really see anybody. Kenny is not grooming anybody to replace him. He is the party. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people on caucus um, might not be in love with his leadership style. There's half a dozen spoke out against him. but The majority either are very loyal or are just keeping really quiet. They're not organizing against him. It, it, would, it would be helpful for the anti kenny crowd to have some sort of person who was seen as the great savior. We're going to be watching that analogy. But the person that could actually... Uh, get the party back on its feet, become more popular. There's nobody there, and so that's helping Kenny. So Kenny's actually managed to turn this leadership review into Kenny versus Kenny, basically into Kenny versus Notley, the, the NDP. And that's a case of he's saying, basically, as Catherine pointed out, he's telling people, even if you don't like me, hold your nose and vote for me. Other otherwise, we are going to have the NDP win the next election. It's a very simplistic argument. But it can be very persuasive because the NDP is doing really well right now. It has been ahead in the polls. It's got six million dollars it raised last year in fundraising. And the UCP got four million. So the NDP is doing really well. So the NDP really is a threat to the UCP. Catherine, was it was
0: it legit? Uh, we, we saw these fundraising totals and I didn't do any digging. This is the luxury of having two great uh, columnists and journalists like we do here. Catherine Gurkowski, Graham Thompson joining us saw that the NDP had led fundraising in the last quarter, the UCP behind them. And then the, and then there was like a pro-life party that was third well ahead of the, of the uh, Alberta party, the Alberta liberals and, and a bunch of the other kind of maybe fledgling political entities that I think people saw that and kind of went, what's this? It was kind of an unusual uh, statistic to be released, uh, especially in the context of what's happening in the United States and the conversations we're seeing in Canada and the, the Conservative leadership candidacy of Dr. Leslin Lewis, who's talking a lot about uh, you know her pro-life position. Um, what did that say to you? That fundraising data that was released last week.
2: Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there have been some members of the UCP caucus who are anti-abortion or anti-medical assistance in dying and have been very vocal. But I think it's um, the success is m- there's maybe a social conservative contingent that is dissatisfied and says, Kenny has not gone far enough, despite his reputation as being an anti-abortion crusader. He doesn't want to touch that. He, he knows he doesn't want to touch that. Um, on the fundraising uh, numbers, though, just for the donations to the party, the UCP is behind the NDP. But the 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 UCP actually changed the financial disclosure law. The same same changes that um, had a fixed election date and membership rules, they changed it so you parties no longer have to disclose constituency association donations every quarter so that's where a lot of the ucp's money is funding so they were actually ahead of the ucp for the for the first quarter so um that's that's going to be a a plus in the column for jason kenney that the the fundraising is starting to to rebound um do you as a
0: catherine as a journalist do you when do you look at how seriously do you take fundraising numbers like I guess when people want it, when 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 people want to do something or contribute something, I'm talking voters or members of the general public. One of the things they can do is donate twenty bucks or donate a hundred bucks, right? You as a journalist, what do you read into fundraising trends?
2: Well, if I can continue on the religious uh, metaphors here, I would say that uh, <laughs> money covers all manner of sins, and I think that that's why going into this, I thought Jason Kenney was in a lot of trouble. Like, he could, he could be tanking in the polls because the polls doesn't matter. The only poll that matters is election day. But what was his sin, if you like, is he's he wasn't bringing in that money. And if you don't have that war chest, you're, you're hoops. So I, I, I do pay a great deal of attention to the fundraising. Yeah, for sure. Um Let me Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, money. You're you're absolutely right there. Uh, Let me throw some numbers out. I do. I I should update our audience, especially those listening on the podcast. So these were uh, published by Elections Alberta. The numbers were out just uh, uh, on the 4th of May. So call it, you know, just over a week ago. Uh, The New Democrats collecting slightly more than a million dollars in donations in the first quarter of 2022 is eight hundred and eighty eight grand for the UCP. But like Catherine just said, another three hundred and seventy five grand donated to constituency associations, but third on the list. And here's where it gets interesting is that the pro-life Alberta political association raised now it's a distant third 68 grand, but still that's almost triple what the Alberta party raised 30 grand. Uh, the Liberal Party of Alberta, twenty grand, and then the Wild Rose Independence Party about fourteen grand. And and I would suggest humbly that those that may donate to a party like the Wild Rose Independence Party probably want to wait and see what happens with people like Brian Jean, Drew Barnes, Angela Pitt, uh, you know, Todd and There's a whole bunch of names that we could get into. Before we're up against the clock and we're almost there, and I know that Graham and Catherine both have other things to do. Uh, Graham, I want to reference a, a piece of yours at iPolitics.ca, uh, an opinion piece that was out just a couple of days ago. Kenny takes a Victory lap while the race is still underway, and I wanted to talk about a story. If we talk about what's flying under the radar, not that nobody knows about it, but most people aren't focusing on a decision. The Alberta Court of Appeal determining that the federal government overstepped its mark with the Impact Assessment Act. Everybody knows that as C sixty nine or the so called No More Pipelines Act. Uh, the decision made with a majority of uh, a majority opinion from three of five justices, an additional judge signing off on that opinion. Um, the word from Premier Kenny, from Energy Minister Sonia Savage, is that this is one of the biggest victories in Alberta's history. But Graham, what does it mean? It's an opinion. It's not.
3: It's not a ruling. It's not a decision. Really, it's an opinion. So the government wants to know: uh, What do you think of um, this uh, bill C69, the Environmental the Impact Assessment Act in the federal government? And the court said, Yeah, we, we think it's unconstitutional. And th- the wording was quite extraordinary i thought in the uh this this is the the opinion of the majority of the court of queen's bench sorry the court of uh, appeal it's saying parliament's taking a wrecking ball to the constitutional right of albertans uh government was trying to put a chokehold on the provinces this is a decision it sounds like it was written by kenny himself but it's an opinion has no legal weight doesn't change anything no matter what jason nixon is saying that the law is no longer valid in alberta another thing the decision was focused on inter, not interprovincial stuff, like not pipelines crossing the borders, but intra provincial uh, projects, things that are built within Alberta. And the court is saying that the federal government can't um, give its opinion or assessment or uh, overrule things built within Alberta. This does nothing to help Kenny um, get pipelines built across provincial boundaries or into the US. There's two issues here one is natural resources, and that is something the provinces have control over. and something that the court focused on. The second issue is the environment and that's a shared responsibility. And that's something the federal government does have a say in. And there's an echo here of the decision by the same Court of Appeal in 2020 saying that the federal carbon price was unconstitutional. Well, the Supreme Court said no, that law, that tax is constitutional and experts are saying right now we'll have the same outcome with this decision with um, the Supreme Court, has been the federal government wants to take this to the Supreme Court, and it seems, according to the experts, that Alberta will lose this once again. But Kenny's taking a victory lap right now because that helps his case, not only in the leadership race, mind you, that the votes are already being counted on that, but also in the next election. If Kenny survives on Wednesday, he'll be using this court opinion to say that only he can fight for Alberta. But once again, he could very well lose this as he lost the fight against the federal. Carbon tax.
0: Catherine, what does this all mean? We we recognize from a political strategy standpoint, and by the way, the strategists coming up in about five minutes here, our Real Talk Roundtable, we got Corey, Zane, and Stephen, uh, set to go. They're in the bullpen warming up. Catherine, from a strategy standpoint, we know that, that politicians, in particular conservative politicians, and, and and you know liberal or NDP politicians would have their own areas, their own niche, their own initiatives that they might pursue. You know, For Jagmeet Singh, perhaps it's dental care or something like that. But for conservatives, we know that whether or not you're actually getting those pipelines built, so long as the optics are there, that you're fighting for that industry, that you're fighting for the pipelines, that you're fighting back against the tanker ban and the no new pipeline and all all of this uh, legislation, that that can translate politically. But ultimately, at the end of the day, aren't people, aren't aren't voters going to say, well, what have you actually got done? I mean, with all the saber rattling, what have you actually accomplished? What does this story mean longer term, do you think?
2: Yeah, I I do think you're right that it's not about the win so much as the fight. Like I I said at the top, it, it is what unites those conservatives is the fight against Trudeau and Notley. And it's the fight for, that's what they were elected on is a jobs, economy and pipelines. And if you're fighting for pipelines, you're doing what's right. Um, I will go back to Brian Jean again. His first question upon his return to the legislature was on May 5th, the anniversary that the NDP came to power in 2015. And he asked, hey, what the heck is hap- happening with this equalization referendum? We had it, but I haven't heard anything. Have you actually written to Justin Trudeau? Have you, like, where, where are these constitutional talks that we're supposed to open? So there is a, a contingent that's, like, wondering what the heck is happening. And the response, Kenny wasn't in the House. It was Justice Minister Tyler Shandro, And he told Brian Jean, who was one of the co-founders of the UCP, that only Kenny can unify the party, which is kind of—it didn't answer the question, right? It, it was so. It was an interesting play there. So I, I, but I guess going back to your question, what does it all mean? It is, it is about the fight. It is about unifying. Um, and, and I think for any any lawyers outside of Alberta, it might seem so bizarre to see these political political opinions not legal opinions in this decision but that's the alberta court of appeal it's always an outlier um it is it is uh, sort of a i don't know if activist court is the right word but it's weird <laughs> it's it's a weird thing in alberta
0: great would you anything to add to that in closing i like that i mean that that assessment from Catherine is pretty interesting because because to be honest that's not the thing that's going to be on the average person's radar w- would you agree
3: yeah, she's right. It's, it's a fight. It's always a fight against Trudeau. It doesn't matter uh, if he's going to lose the carbon tax. He's fighting against the federal carbon tax. It doesn't matter if he can, you know, he's going to fight the federal government on environmental impact assessments. It's just the fight. And people are happy to see him fight. It's a bit like Klein. Klein would fight, promised to fight against things like same-sex marriage, but he didn't fight against the GST, which he didn't. People just like uh premiers to rattle the sabers at the federal government so that can actually win him points and again right now it's not about facts for kenny it's all about winning political points as he's surviving hoping to survive his leadership and then move into the red zone because don't forget the next provincial election is only a year away at the end of may and 2023.
0: That is Graham Thompson. Uh, You can read his work in Alberta Views magazine. You can, of course, catch him on uh, CBC, uh, writing at cbc.ca and iPolitics, which is where we found his most recent piece. Kenny takes a victory lap while the race is still underway at iPolitics.ca. Catherine Grykowski, you've you've seen her on Power in Politics. And, of course, she does a ton of stuff, making politics understandable and accessible by way of... And you can check out Alberta today at politics.today.news. That's where you can subscribe, including, and Catherine, we didn't get into it today, your piece just a couple of days ago on government ads that will promote the premier's radio show. Thanks for making time for us this morning, you too, and have a great weekend. Thanks. You got it. That's Catherine Gurkowski. Graham Thompson coming up in just a couple of minutes less than two minutes from now the strategist we want to let you know that these interviews happen because we have the support of amazing sponsors like Grand Dog Essentials quality raw food Have you ever had been through the experience where your dog is a seizure all of a sudden out of nowhere your beloved furry family member goes down we had it happen with our black lab Monroe when she was just under a year old it's terrifying when it happens you don't really know how to react you know, some folks are in a scenario where their dogs are having seizures all the time. For some families, it works to switch their food from veterinarian-recommended kibble to raw. It can actually reduce the frequency of those seizures. Now, why? You want to learn more about it before you make the decision yourself or recommend you check out the blog posts at grand subscribe to them on Instagram as well. The grand dog team does an amazing job of helping you understand the value of feeding your dogs quality raw food. Like we do in our house, the promo code real talk gets you 10% off your first time order delivered right to your door. If you're in Calgary, Edmonton or central Alberta, grand is where you can sign up our friends at park power. You know, them the friendly low local utilities provider that make it worth your while in more ways than one to bring your internet, electricity and natural gas business their way. The utilities bundle is one of the reasons, that's one way to drop your fees and the other, is to use the promo code 2022 real talk when you sign up at parkpower.ca. That knocks $70 off your first bill. And of course, if you're looking at integrating solar into your setup, Park Power gives you a better deal with their solar rebate buyback program than anybody else in the province, guaranteed. Our friends at Friesen Brothers know this weekend, a lot of you are going to be out heating up the grill. Tis the season. The warm weather's back and you can celebrate by enjoying Friesen Brothers real butchers, Alberta beef, pork, chicken, turkey, and of course a lot of plant-based options as well. Friesen Brothers has everything your family needs to heat up the grill in 16 different Alberta communities. Friesen Brothers for more than 65 years, Alberta grown, Alberta owned. Our next three guests host, uh, -host, co-host, one of Canada's most popular political podcasts. And it's uh, always uh, a treat for us on a biannual basis to welcome the strategists to the Real Talk roundtable. Corey Hogan is an AVP at the University of Calgary. He happens to be a member of Real Talk's editorial board. Stephen Carter is the president of Decide Campaigns. And Zane Velge, who typically writes the strategists and works to keep these two in line as host now joins us of course a partner at northweather and and in this context a panelist for us zane you get to wear a different hat when you join us on real talk how how do you prepare differently you're up probably five o'clock this morning hitting the heavy bag
4: Uh, i prepare the exact same way which is by asking Corey and steven what time are we supposed to be on and then joining five minutes later you're in for a great show ryan you're gonna get high quality uh, takes from me
0: uh, trust me uh, well I, I'm grateful that you're here five minutes late or not and we're looking forward to the next uh, 20, 25, 30 minutes or so and seeing how that goes the, the three of you uh, I know that the, your podcast has taken breaks over the years and and, and then you've come back as uh, your other professional endeavors have allowed and a big part of that that's that's had people excited is your strategist live events you had a big successful in a packed house down in Calgary a few weeks ago and you've got one coming up in Edmonton on May nineteenth. Uh Carter, this will be the day after we expect we'll see the results of Jason Kenny's leadership review. You'll have a lot to talk about, my man.
1: Yeah, I mean it's gonna be huge. The Maharaja Hall. I mean, uh we, we got a great deal there. Uh Zane <laughs> booked us up, which was which was right. pretty exciting. Um, we haven't sold out completely. Uh, you know, we're 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 always trying to sell more tickets and bring people into the into the strategist world. You don't have to buy our merchandise at the show. I will tell you, we were talking about bringing in uh, advertisers on our show, right? Yeah. But having just listened to you do yours, uh, we're not going to do that.
0: Yeah. is, is it, you, <laughs> you just figure we've already secured all the big accounts in the province or is it something else, Carter?
1: No, I mean, selling out like that, we would, I mean, it's just, it's something we would never do. Hey, right? you know like, what, man, I didn't have this. The-,
0: the city of Calgary didn't just strike me a check for $104,000. <laughs> and so I got to bring on advertisers. <laughs>
4: Oh, I, oh, have, like, I have never, I've never seen a hype fan be so overt and so bad at their job at the same time like Stephen <laughs> Carter has. Thank you, Carter, for
1: really distracting a, from the uh, point. Uh, <laughs> an enamel mug, which I apparently didn't know what enamel is so now we've got that
0: figured out so carter i will let our audience know that and and i think that the venn diagram would suggest that there is some crossover with our audiences and uh that you have suggested to me and i'll let the audience know that you basically intend to treat this like a 30-minute commercial for the strategist so so you'll oh, be logging I mean, your live events selling your mugs you'll probably mention that the three of you just signed up to patreon a short while ago how's that going
1: it's going exceptionally well, as you can imagine, Ryan. I mean, we're giving unbelievable benefits, like being able to listen to our free podcast. But now you get to give us money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: Corey, it's pretty
0: amazing. Corey, do you get kind of like a bit of a sick taste in your mouth when you, when you see this going on? I mean, you're affiliated with this.
5: I'm I'm kind of used to it. It's just background taste at this point. I'm just happy to be here to support the grand dog team Park Power and the Friesen brothers. I
0: love those plant based options. Only reason I got out of bed this morning. Thank really you. nice to see you. Thank you. And it's probably actually a, a, a welcome change from being threatened to be sued by Flair Airlines. You come on this show, you know, that you're <laughs> yeah. more covered. You don't have to watch out, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, on this
5: show, we assume it won't be a threat. We'll actually finally uh, but, get that letter.
4: But, but seriously, in the chat, who lasts longer? The strategist, podcaster, or Flair Airlines. Or so it's a genuine question. And I'd love to know. I'd love
0: to know who, who will be around longer. You or Flair. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess we'll have to wait and see that the federal airline landscape really can be volatile. Gentlemen. I mean, we can get into this if you like. Uh, what, what do you expect the three of you are going to be talking at, at, at Maharaja Hall uh, on the 19th of, of May? Corey, what do you expect? We were just talking to two journalists uh, that cover the Alberta legislature on a daily basis. Um, of course, being the journalists, reputable as they are, they didn't give us numbers. They didn't try to peg down what they think uh, the premier will score on this leadership review. But I want to go across the board here. Corey, uh, what are you anticipating? All things considered, including allegations that there may be some shadiness on the membership purchases.
5: Yeah, I, all things considered, I think Jason Kenney is going to win. The question will be by how much. Uh, that's largely based on three factors. One is he's acting like he's going to win. He sure seems to think he's going to win. The second is, as you sort of alluded to, he controls the process. And you know, shadiness is in the eye of the beholder. But as the guy who controls the the board of the UCP, he was able to do things like a last-minute change from an in-person event in Red Deer to a mail-in ballot, which maybe uh, allowed him both to buy some time and and get less intense members also to be voting there and then and then the third reason is uh brian gene daniel smith the opponents of jason kenny have underperformed every step of the way they just they they've never managed to fill a room they've never actually managed to pull the mlas and the numbers they threatened from the caucus so why would we think they'd suddenly find competence in this 11th hour uh
0: i'm I'm a little bit offended uh, not by anything that the three of you have said um (laughs) but Typically, uh, I'll appreciate contributions to our live chat, um, especially from longtime viewers, loyal viewers, intuitive, intelligent commenters like Jillian. Uh, but Jillian uh, says, looking at my real talk mug, which is also what I'm, this is what we call the real talk Crescent mug. And it's be- beautifully, they're beautifully handmade here in Western yeah. Canada, delivered right to your door when you order them conveniently from the merch link at Ryan Jesperson.com. But, but Jillian contributes this to the live chat. She says, looking at my real talk mug, feeling like I need, and, and here's the offensive word feeling like I need an upgrade to a strategist yeah.
5: one. <laughs> yeah. Which... you know three choices too we've got multiple mug choices oh, for geez. all of your hot beverage needs here now listen yeah. if you're in the market for a mug we know you like mugs so on the other side of this particular mug we have another picture of a mug and i appreciate this as a podcast and not a you know visual medium but uh uh, no. You know, hit the strategist.ca up, and uh, you know, buy yourself a nice throw pillow. Buy yourself a mug. You, the the throw a, pillow thing is pad. real.
0: I saw Carter opening one on you. You posted on Twitter. You actually got one. You received it yeah. in the mail. I thought that was a prop. I thought that was a a, a gag, a joke. I can be two things.
4: Yeah, that's, yeah well, that's your, welcome <coughs> to the
5: show, Ryan. Welcome to the yeah. podcast. <laughs>
0: Zane yeah, been- no no yeah. go ahead go ahead I don't mean to step on your toes but but Zane, so, uh, we, we've been we've been talking about the language we've been using in describing this this leadership review is a survivable number I'll give credit to Vitor Marciano mm. who was using that phrase on, on these airwaves on this show he said it's not necessarily a pass or fail what is the survivable number the premier says it's 50% plus one but optically that's a tough one to spin.
4: It's, it's, a, it's definitely a tough one to spin. So, you know, extending on what Corey's talking about here, what I'm looking for is, frankly, you know, May 18th is just the beginning. And the question is, what is it a beginning of? Because it's going to be a lot of stuff that could happen on the 19th, 20th, thereafter, and then downstream from there, right? We're looking at all the way uh, to the possibility of an early election. But even prior to that, we're looking at what the challenges look like in court, what the statements are of the rebels. Do they actually win? You know, you know, Corey's, uh, I suspect, pretty confident, at least now, with Jason Kenney going to win based on how Jason Kenney is conducting himself, including going down to the United States literally the day before uh, the leadership review results. But there's so many chapters to be written beyond this, and, you know, th- there's so much uncertainty. But what we can certainly expect is that all wounds will not be healed. On the 18th. In fact, there will be even deeper crevices, deeper fractures that we are expecting to have even louder, more acrimonious conversation about. And so, uh, the UCP infighting, I think, just enters another chapter, perhaps even a louder, more assertive, more aggressive chapter uh, uh, on the 18th onwards. Then it resolves anything. I think we're far ways away from resolving uh, this this uh, fracture within the party.
0: Carter, you've, uh, I mean, president of Decide Campaigns, you've obviously worked on a lot of successful campaigns, most recently uh, Mayor Jody Gondek down in Calgary. Um, if you're right now uh, advising, let's say, Rachel Notley and the NDP for their strategy through this, uh, which, which appears to have largely been to kind of sit back and let it happen, to not try to capitalize, it seems, on some of the headlines, or even if you're talking to like Barry Morishita with the Alberta Party, you know, fledgling fundraising, but but the party's not Not dead yet, right? Like, Barry's still traveling all over the province trying to get 87 candidates for the next election next year. What does the strategy look like for the parties that aren't the United Conservative Party right now?
1: Well, never get in the way of, you know, your opposition imploding. So allow them to destroy themselves. But at the same time, you need to really connect with the voters at this point. The voters are, of course, watching the UCP circus, and and that is the entertainment uh, that's the primary show in the gladiatorial arena right now. But at some point, you're going to want to present yourself as a government in waiting. And I think that this is where uh, the NDP have always struggled because the NDP have been focusing on winning the day. Uh, we got to win the day. We got to win today's Twitter battle. We got to win uh, today's question period. No, you don't. You need to make sure that you're in a position to be the government in waiting and that you have people who are willing to vote for you not just for willing to, people willing to vote against Jason Kenney. That is a fundamental shift that they have never been able to really capitalize on. Um, I know they, they won in 2015, but that was when everybody was voting against Jim Prentice. So this is a different animal and they need to start thinking of it differently.
0: Carter, for the benefit of those uh, watching on YouTube, that'll be wondering what the hell is going on behind you. Are are you uh, are you like? Have you recently? Well, I was. I didn't even mean it. I was going to say, have you recently been fired from somewhere? But I mean, I'm, I'm, you don't still have. You, you don't. You don't still have. You're not in your old office, are you? What's up with the bare shelves?
1: We are. Um, I came into a little bit of money recently, yeah. and uh, we're going to be moving. So we're moving on Saturday.
0: So. It's all packed up. All right. Congratulations. Um, I'm pretty excited about (laughs) it. This is a good one from Dwayne. Dwayne says, and I'll I'll put this out to the three of you. Maybe, Corey, will throw it in front of you first. Uh, Dwayne says political mergers in Alberta have a history of not succeeding. What do your guests think will happen if the UCP disintegrates? I don't know if it disintegrates, but, Corey, how can you see this, the party being chipped away
5: at? Yeah, I I just don't know if I agree that political mergers don't have a history of succeeding. I can think of a lot of political mergers that have led us to this current point. We had the Wild Rose and the Alberta Alliance become the Wild Rose Alliance. We had the Wild Rose Alliance and the PCs become the UCP. These are both examples of groups becoming more successful through merger. I, I think the view that it's not been successful is more tied to the ideas of like the liberals and the NDP never managing to pull off a merger. Uh, but honestly, um, those merger conversations became a distraction at some point. And the NDP had their pants on. They were ready for the bus, and that's how they became government. So I, I, you know, I would sort of say, test that assumption and see if maybe it's just rooted in where your politics are, because in Alberta, mergers have actually proven to be successful at different times along the way there. Um, but it, it might fall apart. It might not fall apart. Uh, there's obviously a... Um, you know, attention within the conservative movement, not just in Alberta, but nationally that you see yeah. with the People's Party of Canada, you see, uh, and you know, the former PCs, I guess, and, uh, and the former reformers all duking it out in their corners. Uh, and, and maybe the movement is just too big, but it's it's holding right now. And right now, they're all fighting for the big price. We talked about this, I don't know, six months ago. Where the UCP people really get into trouble is when people start deciding the leadership is not up for grabs, because right now they'd rather win the thing that can govern than be, you know, the, the people who are in this rump party. They remember what the rump party was like still. They remember it provincially. They remember it federally.
0: Hmm. This is, you know, it feels like a good time to tee this up. John, why don't we roll it? This is uh, from just a couple of nights ago in, in our home city of Edmonton. Of course, the, the conservative leadership debate, the, the official English language uh, debate with the French language debate to come. And, and here was probably, in, in my mind, the most noteworthy exchange uh, between Pierre Polyev and Jean Charest.
3: But Mr. Charest, Mr. Charest, why didn't you take a moment to acknowledge that you're the only one on this stage who actually voted for for a law that would recriminalize abortion when you were part of the Mulroney government? You did. You did. And you can take a moment now to renounce your earlier vote uh, if you've changed your mind, but that was your position. You seem to have forgotten it. You've forgotten a lot of things about your record. You forgot that you brought in a carbon tax. You forgot that you raised the fuel tax, the sales tax, the health tax. You forgot that you banned uh, banned natural gas development in your own province. You forgot you brought in a long gun registry. You seem a little bit forgetful about your record, Mr. Chirade, but Canadians now remember Uh,
0: it. No, 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 you know, you guys know the rules. You know the consequences, Mr. Shere, 30 seconds. <laughs> I, I, I am very proud of my record as a conservative that stands on its own merits, on fiscal conservatism, on reducing the size of government, reducing taxes, which I did when I was premier, by the way, Quebecers had lower a billion dollars, less taxes paid and higher disposable income after I finished in government, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, Mr. Poliev, thank you for at least now telling us that you are pro choice. We understand that's what you're saying tonight. Please confirm okay. that. Not just a couple of nights ago in Edmonton saying, it's gotta be nice to see Tom Clark doing some of the heavy lifting, trying to keep people in line, giving you a break every once in a while, yeah. but, but uh, yeah, the significant zane of, of that exchange, Pierre Polyev, I think it, it it's clear landing a few pretty significant blows. The crowd in Edmonton, obviously on his side. But the question is, is that best for this party? Is that what this party needs to win an election? A guy that can throw bombs like that.
4: Uh, let me address the Tom Clark uh, debate format question first. It wasn't a question, but I'll comment <laughs> on it anyway. Um, to yeah, you know anyone what it's who's ever like, moderating yeah. a debate, don't look to political podcasts as inspiration. What the fuck was a lightning round at the end with the paddles and your favorite ice cream and book that you're reading? That's not what
0: we need here. Uh, You know, Jordan Peterson paid for that, Zane. He paid for the opportunity to have his book mentioned.
4: So so on the content, I think there's a lot of things happening in the conservative party right now. And I think we're seeing some spillover on the provincial side as well. They're having a purity test. They're having a a politics of, are we establishment or anti-establishment? And they're simultaneously having this sort of grievance moment, saying that it is okay to get angry, to get mad, to be loud about it, to be vocal about it. You know, in your previous segment, um, when you're talking about ledge politics, uh, there was the concept of Kenny wanting the fight. Well, I'd say that on on the federal side now, the conservative movement is not just about wanting the fight and not just with each other, but it's about encouraging supporters to say, we need to fight, we need to be loud, we need to fight with each other that the convoy was exactly what this country needed, not denouncing what happened to Jagmeet Singh in Peterborough, which was distasteful, unbelievable, horrendous. And so the Conservative Party may think they're having a moment here of cleansing, of purity, of grievance, of getting loud and gluing together. What they're actually having, Ryan, is this moment that I think is such a stain on our collective history that, that fundamentally thinks it is the the second option or the natural uh you know uh second governing party or, or next choice when people get tired with the liberals the consequences i don't think we fully understood and we're seeing some of that spillover happen here here provincially but the multitude of things with with grievance purity tests and this anti-elite Sort of rhetoric, I think, is a is a, a real recipe for, for danger in, in the coming weeks and months ahead.
0: Zane, we talked about this yesterday, and I'm glad you brought it up, this, this experience. What do you want to call it? I mean, it's, it's assault. It's it's harassment of what Jagmeet Singh experienced uh, in Peterborough, Ontario. And, and and it has a lot of people, I think, uh, with, first of all, their hearts in their throats, wondering how something like this could happen in the first place, how easily something like this could go sideways, and what it says about the current state of politics and, and what what continues to be described as a divided nation, and this was obviously a profane uh, outburst. People sticking their middle fingers right in the face of Jugmeet Singh, who's who's sort of ushered by what appears to be a lone body man, or maybe it's even just a campaign volunteer uh, that gets him into that SUV and, and safely out of the way. But Stephen, we couldn't ignore. Uh, (laughs) the people standing at that windshield yelling, you know, first of all, among the get out of Canada, get out of here, get out of Peterborough. You're not welcome here. F you, but people also saying essentially calling him a traitor and, and then loudly proclaiming, this is the freedom convoy. And I've seen a lot of commentators say these are Pierre Poliev's people, right? And, uh, he and Leslin Lewis, Poliev and Lewis seem to be competing, uh, over who is the bigger supporter Tripping over convoy. themselves, tripping Absolutely. over
1: themselves. Yeah, it, it drives you crazy because obviously, there's always been wingnuts. There's always been racists. Um, that that has been a uh, part of Canadian history that we're trying to actually to to eliminate. Right? We're we're talking about systemic racism. We're talking about these issues, and we're trying to push them out of the way uh, and, and to to r- redeem ourselves in some fashion. Except it's become fashionable again to wear our racism on this on our sleeves in certain subsets. And what really solidifies that is when you see politicians like Donald Trump, uh, Ron DeSantis uh, and Pierre Polyev and Leslie Lewis all deciding that they are going to court the racist vote. When you decide to to legitimize those voters by reaching out for them, I mean, it's one thing when you kind of accidentally get them, but when you are actually out there trying to actively court these racist voters by using dog whistles i mean we used to use the dog whistle now we're using just blatant whistles uh we're you know pierre you have them less lewis and uh, i can't even remember the last guy's name are all standing up there and all saying how great the convoy was Yeah, And we neighbor. all know that it wasn't yeah we, it wasn't great and if you continue to try and push for these um You know, these voters, they will continue to feel legitimized and they will continue to take these actions. And it's wrong. And we should be punishing the politicians that are actually courting these types of voters. And this solidifies one of the problems of the two party problem, right? There are two parties in the UCP. There are two parties within the Canadian Conservative Party, uh, the the Conservative Party of Canada. Those two conservatives aren't, they don't work together. Whether it's Jean Charet and his group of people or it's Pierre Polyev or it's Jason Kenney. Uh, I mean, Jason Kenney is the moderate of this group, uh, apparently, um, th- these two conservative polls, if you will, uh, one is disgusting. And the other one's trying to bring fiscal conservatism to, to bear. And I'll tell you something, the group that's trying to bring fiscal conservatism to bear, if you have to embrace the, the disgusting part, then you too are disgusting.
0: Yeah, I saw a comment from Randy earlier in our live chat. I'll apologize to him. I don't have it in front of me to quote verbatim, but he basically said one of the really troubling things about this story to him is that, um, you know, half of the conservatives are are upset, not just that the state of the party is so terrible, but that it's not terrible enough. And I thought that that was an interesting insight. Uh, just this morning in in the National Post uh, or pardon me published about 15 hours ago as we record this live 9.30 Mountain 11.30 Eastern uh, NationalPost.com Kelly McParland writing that Pierre Polyev and keep in mind this is supposed to be Canada's conservative newspaper Pierre Polyev an opinion piece is too big a risk to lead the conservatives and what uh, McParland focuses on is Polyev's promise to fire the governor of the Bank of Canada, Tiff Macklin, uh, saying uh, that, uh, says Kelly, uh, it was a rash, reckless, and dangerous pledge, says to politicize the job of governor of the Bank of Canada would be disastrous. And Stephen, you invoke the Donald Trump legacy. Corey, it reminds me of some of Trump's promises. I'm going to fire this person. I'm going to get rid of that person. And the average voter, the average member of the public, has no real understanding of the role that the governor of the Bank of Canada does or does not play in inflation or government programs or CERB. They just love that somebody's up there saying they're going to clean house. Yeah, get
5: rid of the elites, right? The the reason you've got all of these problems is these elites, these gatekeepers that are just putting their thumb on you. And uh, And look, I think that one of the challenges that I always have here is that there's you know there are things that need to be better. We do need to make sure that people aren't left behind. Uh, but to both Zane's point and Stephen's point, this this validation of your grievance is real, uh, and and these easy solutions that that tend to float into racism and tyranny and you know calling people traitors is is not not better. Is not a solution. It's it's just a, it's a poison on the system. When you talk about getting rid of the Bank of Canada governor. I do want to contextualize this. This happens about every 30 years. Somebody decides they don't care about bank independence. Jean Chretien made, or not Jean Charest, uh, Jean Chrétien made great hay out of wanting uh, to have a different Bank of Canada governor in the lead up to the 93 election. 30 years before that, it was an issue in Canadian politics, and they actually had a vote of parliament to get rid of the Bank of Canada governor. But it doesn't tend to be a very good idea. Uh, and certainly when your your concerns are substantively about um them not doing as good enough of a job as they could when they've, you know, by the numbers, Canada has, you know, weathered this a lot better than most countries that becomes even more problematic still. But you said this, or you were quoting uh, McParland, but it wasn't a rash decision by Poliev. It's not as though he was on stage and just came up with it. He, this was calculated. This was something he wants to do. It was doubled
4: down upon as well. Sure.
5: And like the real risk here is, (laughs) well, now everything the bank of canada does between now and the next election people are going to say is that political is that designed to prop up trudeau because he just wants to keep his job is that uh, we've gotten into a dangerous place potentially because say what you will about christian's rhetoric tended to be during an election campaign it ended pretty quickly the bank didn't have to make a lot of decisions in the interim here this is a different beast this is years until the next election zane
4: absolutely it's poisoning the well right while his his crypto talk takes a big smack in the markets he's trying to uh deviate and say this is who is to blame and listen on a fundamental populist message i can see how it works right his video today was very simply if there was someone who didn't do a good job and they were underperforming wouldn't you want them to go wouldn't you want a clean house well justin trudeau refused to do that and i will and what he's trying to do and try to say ultimately is I've got easy solutions to incredibly complex problems. He's done this multiple times now. If there's a through line to the Pierre Polyev campaign, freedom might be what he wants you to think it is, but he, what, he, what it actually is, is that the world has complex problems, global problems in certain cases like inflation, but don't fucking worry. I'm the guy that's got these solutions. They're easy three step, five step solutions. I'm gonna explain to you in a five minute Twitter video I'm the guy to get, to get us out of this. Freedom will be the through line once I have these simple solutions. And I think if you are Charest or Brown or one of the competitors, you need to go after this guy's sanity and seriousness uh, versus trying to go with this left-right argument, the, the more centrist, moderate version of conservatism versus this puritanical, uh, you know, new uh, right-wing version of conservatism, because you will lose on that. But where you have an opportunity to, to win on is how serious this guy is or lack of how serious he is on certain things. I mean, I think it's a long shot to begin with. But man, oh, man, like I think that is where his Achilles heel has to be in this leadership race. And it certainly will be when he, so gets, I, if he I, gets out of it.
5: I think you're wrong. I, I think that it's not necessarily his Achilles heel. The danger here is that it could work. We saw it work in 2016 with Donald Trump. I, the language, the tone, I, I think Pierre Polyev is smarter than Donald Trump. Uh, but he and and he's smart enough to have learned what some evidence, lessons about what, what
1: evidence out. do we have of
4: that? I see no evidence that he's smarter than Donald <laughs> Trump. No, but, but I want Corey to finish his point. Sorry, Ryan, you're you're part of the show too. No, uh, I'm just. Corey, uh, <laughs> I've got I've
5: got the best <laughs> seat in the house here, it. boys. We're back Look. at it. I, I, when it, when he gets legitimate criticism about something that he says, his he he really leans into this. This best defense is a good offense. You know, somebody complains about something you're saying and you pull down their pants and you punch them in the face. Seems to be what he says. So he gets like this attack against him for the impropriety of attacking a Bank of Canada governor and his response is effectively, fuck you, I'm taking on the elites, I will bring them all down, I'm just getting started. You know, in a different era, the politician would say, okay, maybe I went a little too far, or you've got to understand, or you would contextualize it. He's not interested in the context or the nuance. He he has decided to make his brand that of the fighter and that he's going to fight, whether you like it or not, against the so-called gatekeepers that he's defined. And so when, you, when I say I, he's smarter than Donald Trump, it's because he can turn that on and he can turn that off as he sees fit. If you look at him in committee and the way he grills officials, you can't tell me Donald Trump could do that. You couldn't, you couldn't convince me if you had all the time in the world that Donald Trump could do that. What's dangerous about Pierre Polyev? Is that he knows exactly what he's doing with donald trump it was like an animal it was instinct he was cornered and he lashed out Pierre poliev is making calculated decisions based on what he's seen work out there in other jurisdictions
0: so carter i i mean i, I feel almost in a way guilty that you know we, we we propose or we present these conversations and then we spend all this time talking about Pierre poliev and oh yeah jean charret and 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 a little mention <laughs> of dr leslin lewis in the context of the pro-life movement and that's about it. But you've got Brampton's mayor, the, the former, albeit short-lived, leader of Ontario's PC Party, Patrick Brown, a very capable politician. You've got Scott Acheson, a, a sitting member of parliament, who I think impressed some people earlier this week at the leadership mm-hmm. debate. you got Roman Baber, who... The, you know, God bless him for participating. But at the same time, I mean, if you're advising some of these other candidates, is, is this winnable? I mean, is, is, are the results for all intents and purposes already determined? I mean, how do you advise strategy for other people in this race?
1: You're looking for roll-up votes, so you're you're looking to not be in last place, right? So if, if theoretically you could be in in fifth place, and then you know six would all come to you, and then you know you you jump up to fourth, and then fifth would all come to you, and they jump up to third, and you, we we can see these types of roll-up votes. So all is not lost if you're, for example, Scott Atchison. Uh, theoretically, you could pick up everybody's votes, but the problem is. The way these votes are kind of aligned, uh, it really isn't. The, the, they're not all available to you, uh, so you really need to be in the top three in order to make this work. And then whoever's in third place, uh, when they fall off that final ballot and they start to move towards one of the ba- the the victors, uh, first or second, if it's if it's less than Lewis, it's in in third place, and and all of those votes then go to Pierre Polyev, then he's going to win. Um, so how do you how do you make yourself either the kingmaker? Um, if I'm Scott Atchison, I'm probably thinking I want to be the kingmaker for Jean Charest, or if I'm Patrick Brown, I'm thinking I want to be the kingmaker for Jean Charest. And an off- outside chance, I can maybe be the person in second, right? If I can be the person in second, then maybe I can get there. I don't see Leslie Lewis jumping in front of Pierre poliev but stranger things have happened in these roll-ups, and it's the roll-up that matters. So I would, I would be pushing um, – you know, Atchison and Brown and Sheree to really be making their roll up as strong as humanly possible. Uh, but realistically, Atchison's going to roll up to, to Brown. Brown's going to roll up to Sheree. And then we're all just going to have to hope that, uh, that that's enough to beat Pierre of, and, and
4: sanity will prevail.
0: We're right up to the time uh, we've asked you to set aside, but I want to give uh, Zane and Corey a chance to, to wrap as well. Some final thoughts, fellas.
4: I, I wouldn't sleep on Patrick Brown. I mean, I, I feel like his... Debate performance, and less so his performance, I should say, and more so the disproportionate attention that Polyev was paying towards him, I think let, lets us maybe have a bit of a sense that the membership sales for the Brown camp, which their strategy has been very clear, racialized communities, uh, ethnic, cultural communities, and Southern Ontario, that plus, to Carter's point, a roll-up of the charade votes on third to second, because Brown very well could be in second here. That does not surprise me at all. Could create quite a formidable um, stack against Pierre Poliev's, you know, outright sort of viral style dominance that we've been seeing across the board. Don't sleep on
5: Patrick Brown. Corey, last word to you. Well, if, if this is going to be determined by the Conservative Party membership, then it's going to be Pierre Polyev. Uh, and the only chance that the other candidates have is by expanding uh, to different audiences that ha- are right now, at least, have largely written off the Conservative movement. And so you see Jean Charest trying to do that. You see Patrick Brown trying to do that. I will remind people that it is a point system and it is weighted by region. So uh, one of the reasons Aaron O'Toole became leader of the Conservative Party is he ran the tables in Quebec. And it's quite possible Sheree is going to do the same. If Brown can have a strong showing in the 905, Pierre Polyev might have three times as many members as those two combined, but if they're all in Southern Alberta, no, no good, no win, no dice. Uh, So the game's not called yet. uh, But I, I sure, I sure think it would be foolish to say anything other than it's Pierre
0: Polyev's to lose. Corey, if if I know anything about Southern Albertans, they'll have absolutely no problem with their votes being discounted when it comes to a national <laughs> election result. Yeah. <laughs> it won't bother them one bit. Very moderated on that one. Yeah. You can see these three in action at the famed storied Maharaja Banquet Hall, Thursday, May nineteenth. Uh you can get your tickets to see The Strategists live in Edmonton at thestrategists.ca. Uh, to the three of you, thanks for doing this. Carter, real quick, just before we go, if you were to be swinging by one of the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton or Sherwood Park, uh, do you think you'd go today with the Cotton Candy Blizzard Treat, the Nestle Drumstick with Peanuts Blizzard Treat, or maybe the Girl Guide's Chocolatey Mint Cookie Blizzard Treat?
1: Well, funny question there, uh, Ryan. That's all wrong answers. Of course, you go with the you go with the Banana Split. Um, oh. But you go to the Dairy Queen and you make sure you mention – Real Talk with Ryan Jesperson, because Real Talk (laughs) with Ryan Jesperson is the reason that you're going to Dairy Queen today. And thanks again to our sponsors. Thank you, everybody, from the strategists. Buy your merchandise as soon as you can. Uh, Thanks. We'll see you on the 19th of May. Good
0: night. Hey, yeah, uh, no, no, no. Don't sign off yet. Don't sign off yet. No, no, no. Because I'm out of here. Because I, I just, I just, I just, I just want to remind you who the kingmaker is in this relationship. Uh, DK on oh, oh. our live, DK on the live chat says, real, real talk turned me on to the Strategist podcast. It's easily one of my favorite to listen to. The guys are great, and I might says DK even sign up for Patreon if they can lock in that Flair Airlines endorsement. So to the three of you, you've got your work cut out. Right okay, on. Well, it's us good. Thanks. Right. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Thanks, you're the best, Thanks very much. Uh, pleasure to Have call those three friends. And, and honestly, uh, it's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Uh, you can download The Strategist anywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check out their Patreon on their website as well. Um, after you sign up for our Patreon. Uh, because if you keep our Patreon <laughs> yeah. looking healthy, then we can continue to present roundtables like that with that was awesome. other podcasters. And Those I'm guys the, are great,
4: and I'm the guy who's like, I'm not into politics. That was uh, you throw severe devetti it's a in there too.
0: Oh yeah, on a Friday, that yeah. would have been would have been a great show. Would have been through the roof.
4: Hey, maybe not, we'll not have to do that some other, other time.
0: Yeah, Graham and Catherine are like, what the fuck, man? But no, awesome, and oh man, just I was right on board with Zane talking about. I said it yesterday about Pierre being reductive, and he just nailed it on the head yeah. where like he's trying
4: to draw a line through all these really complicated issues and be like, check, that's done.
0: Yeah, well, we, I mean, we grind their gears and we have fun with those three, but but those three are responsible for some of the most successful political campaigns uh, in Alberta and other jurisdictions in, mm-hmm. the, in the last 15, 20 years. So uh, including Calgary's mayor ahead Nenci and uh and uh, Zane's done some work on Rachel Notley's successful campaign and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we are stoked to be partnered with the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park and... The Carter's take on the banana split. All right, when's the last time you had a Dairy Queen banana split? He's divisive. Well, he, <laughs> but he also reminds us of some things that might be flying under the radar that deserve or demand our attention. Yeah. Like when's the last time we talked about the dairy-free Dilly Bar? Right? Right? That's my that's my go-to. Have you had like it's phenomenal. Yeah. Three yeah. Of them. I remember the first time the first time I tried one I was kind of like, yeah, we'll see because I'm big on the Dilly Bar. The dairy-free Dilly Bar. Phenomenal. Your second one? You're like, yes. <laughs> Third? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Like back to back to back. Smash him. boy. That's like in the morning you wake up and there's like three of the wooden dilly bar handles on the table and you go, oh, it was a good night. Better go walk the dog. These are the Dairy Queens at Palisades, Nemayo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. And Carter's absolutely right. When you walk in or you go through that drive-thru, you don't let them know that you're there because of real talk. Same deal when you get in touch with Eden Landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca. You can check him out online right now. You can make contact with Mike and his team. I keep banging this drum because I don't want you to, a month from now or six weeks from now, be like, I should have. Ah, why didn't I get in touch with them? Because it's going to be the middle of June or it's going to get into the beginning of July and you want to have people over. But, oh, man, your lawn looks the same as it did last year. It's, It's just looking lousy or you still have that drainage problem. So you get that big summer rainstorm and then all of a sudden your backyard's underwater for three or four days. You know, I mean, it could be a simple solution or bigger picture. You're looking at that retaining wall that, I don't know, who was it? Maybe maybe your, your grandpa helped build it with his own hands and, and you, you want to keep it forever, but you, you can see it's about to collapse. They do all kinds of stuff, excavation, water features. You can find them online and find out why they keep getting the return business and referrals from their clients. LandscapeEdmonton.ca is where you'll find Eden Landscaping. And we will be hitting the road this weekend in our RAM 1500 longhorn edition i'm absolutely loving it it's got that crew cab which means a ton of room for our little guy in the back we got the dogs in the back and still room to carry what we need in the bed of that truck it's a truck that fits our needs as a family of course every family or every person's needs are different and that's why saint albert and sherwood dodge works with you to find the perfect fit not just at the point of sale, but also when it comes to the service side of their operations. You can find them under the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Now, every Friday... Before we strap in here and buckle up and oh, get ready, is there yeah. anything else you needed to say before we sign off for the weekend? Because you know once no, this I'm ball rolls, you don't want to step in the middle. Saturday <laughs> night, we'll all be cheering to see the good guys win and we'll, whatever whatever your, your hockey dream looks like, we hope that it's achieved this weekend. And if you're not a hockey fan, that's cool too. We can maybe set aside <laughs> some t- time next week to talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. I'm just keeping it real here. You Every t- Friday. <laughs> Our friends at Local Environmental, was that a little dismissive?
1: You took a deep breath like like if you're not a hockey fan, we need to chat. Well, I was trying
0: like- to decide between that's okay, <laughs> well, will carve, and, and what's wrong with you, uh, but I decided to go with the more positive one. Our friends at Local Environmental every Friday give us a chance to, to blow off a little bit of steam, you know? They give us a chance to, to to sort of tap into some of the news cycle or maybe just something you see around you and to comment through this big bullhorn these are emails that we've received to talk at ryanjesperson.com it's a friday tradition we call trash talk All right, this one from Stephanie, who says, uh, I love Stephanie, dear Ryan, on the subject of Jagmeet Singh and politicians being held responsible for actions in person in broad daylight on our city streets and in our neighborhoods, let me be clear. I think all elected officials and those running for office should have their feet held to the fire. For sure, they should and do have to answer for the decisions, their opinions. They should have to face the public. They should have to face scrutiny. They should see the faces of the people they affect with their choices. They should be at times made to feel uncomfortable when faced with the raw emotions of the folks who disagree with them. They should be made to feel the full extent of what they've created, whether that be anger or frustration. But make no mistake, what happened to Jagmeet Singh on the streets of Peterborough, Ontario this week was disgusting. I'm a conservative. I'm a proud woman of faith. I'm opinionated. I'm a mother who leaned in and supported the Freedom Convoy at times in the beginning, although the length of that standoff made me feel uncomfortable. I believe in free speech, less government oversight, and the power of the people. What concerns me is the tone and the behavior of the people who clearly have issues with Mr. Singh and how they went about voicing those concerns. Politicians need to be able to walk the streets and not face abuse, ridicule. And I know it didn't come to this this time, but violence. I can see a time in the future when elected officials say, Simply opt to stay home or stay in their offices out of fear for the public when security or bulletproof glass separates us from each other when we're debating. This is not the Canada I want for my children. This is not the Canada I grew up in. This is not how we treat human beings, no matter our differences. My stomach turned when I watched the video on your show yesterday and I felt for Mr. Singh, even though I don't agree with his policies. Less division, more debate, safe debate. Open debate and respect for each other. We won the life lottery. Being born or having moved to live permanently here in Canada, and we're pissing it away all for the reward of what? And I told you so. Stop acting like kids. Stop pretending to be mercenaries in the streets and let people live their lives free of fear. Full stop. That from Stephanie. I love that one. How about this from Leland? Leland says, I'm one of those non-hyphenated conservatives that Jean Shere talked about in the leadership debate this week. I was there for what it's worth. But I have to say, I walked out of that room with less confidence, not more, in the future of the party. I know I should expect some sniping and some toe-to-toe moments, and that's fine. Actually, that's one of the best parts of a debate, but I do feel like points are being scored for the wrong stuff. While a lot of the comments closer to bang on are being met with silence. Or very little enthusiasm. I fear we're taking a couple options for leader that could be decent and give us a fighting chance in the next election and tossing them out in favor of a soundbite factory that may be great at selling memberships, but might not be so great at actually running a government. And I hate to see it after these past few performances during federal elections. That from Leland. Monica says, so Brian Jean and his team believe that Jason Kenny's team is up to its old shadiness again, allegedly purchasing thousands of memberships with just a few credit cards so the leadership review can be stacked in the Premier's favor. Count me among the hundreds of thousands of Albertans who will have no problem believing we can trust the integrity of this leadership review about as much as we can trust the integrity of the man being reviewed, which is about as much as I can trust my eight-year-old to stick to fruits and vegetables and not candy when he's in charge of snack time. Which is not a lot. Yet we all sit here and watch. We trust the process. We cross our fingers for checks and balances. Really? It makes a person want to just stop caring. Which is what they want. Which is why I won't. Have a great weekend, Real Talkers. That from Monica. Love it. Coming up early next week, we're going to get back to news of the day. This is the news that we know that you're expecting on Real Talk. We're going to talk to Kevin Royal, who's sending a million dollars worth of emergency aid equipment over to Ukraine. Plus, we're going to get into other stories that you're paying attention to updates on the news that matters most so you can have real talk with your friends, informed, opinionated talk that moves the dial. Have a safe weekend. Thanks for participating. Send us an email anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. And one love.
2: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Technical producer, John Hicks. Managing director, Josh Dunford. Account coordinator, Lawrence Derlego, General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Website design, Mike Johnston. voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duveti, Ahmed Ali, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member emerita, Julie Rohr.